Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. All right. Okay. Okay, come on, come on, come on. All right, all right, all right. Celebration Jacksonville. How you guys doing? You guys doing good? Oh, it is so good to, to be home and to see so many familiar faces of family and, and friend. Now, I, I got to do this just because you guys know where my heart lies when I, when I left here. I heard that riots in the building. I heard that the riots in the building. All right, all right, all right. I see that they, they shouted me out. They, didn't, they did not disappoint. I'm so, so glad to, to be here with you guys, man. And it's, it's whenever I have moments like this, when, when I get a chance to observe everything that God's doing here um, at Jacksonville from afar up in D.C. Um, but when I get a chance to, to come back, I have these moments where I, I kind of get a little bit reflective. Um, I, I celebrated a birthday last week, and as I go into my, my next year, I always have this process of where I, I evaluate my life from a, from a filter of, okay, what have I seen God do in this past year? And what are those things I want to take with me into the new year? And what are some things that I know I need to leave behind in the past? It's just a, a healthy way for me to kind of know what I need to carry with me and also simultaneously know what I need to leave behind me so I can get all that God has for me. And it's also in conjunction with that, but also probably with the fact that I'm in my 40s now, that, um, that I, I often have these moments where I go a little bit further back. It's not just for the year, but it's also I go back and I begin to think about relationships that I need to steward or people that I've crossed paths with that, that have had such significant impact on me. And, and, and oddly enough, I, I I remember uh, about 12 years ago when I moved to, to Jacksonville and, and being invited to come to um, the Celebration Church. Um, and I remember coming into the building and, and, and it was a radically different experience from my, my previous background, but, but seeing this, this fired up guy on stage with the vein popping out of his neck, I was concerned. Um, I was really concerned, but, but, but he survived it. But I saw a passion and a fire in him that, 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 that quickened in me and that I said, okay, I, I, can, I can follow him. Um, from that point forward, I just remember just seeing these varying stages of my life where my, my faith grew radically as I began to have these radical encounters with, with the grace of God and the love of God and, and relationships and things that have, that have radically changed my life. So when I think about the fact that I'm in D.C. now being able to do what, I, what I'm called to do, the fact that I'm standing on a platform, and I remember when, when this place was being built, and, and we actually put stakes in the ground, and we actually put a lot of the stakes up here at what we now call the altar, and I remember writing on the stakes just before me coming on staff, just before I knew what my next season was going to be, but writing on that stake like, but God, I'm, I'm, I'm all in, and, and whatever you need from me, I'll, I'll do it. So when I think about the fact that I'm, I'm standing on a platform that I didn't build, and I'm literally standing on the Word of God and my conviction and following Him, the point of convergence for me has been it's a result of phenomenal leadership. So I said I'd like to say this. Would you join me as I show some love and some honor to my pastor, Pastor Stovall and Pastor Kerry Weems. We love you guys so, so much. We're so thankful for you. You may not be able to see this online, but they're standing up for you guys because you are such, such critical pieces and thank you for following the kingdom of God. We love you so, so much. Amen, amen, amen. I, I, would also, I would also be remiss if I, if I didn't take this opportunity to, to shout out my, my rib, my bride, my beautiful wife, Megan. Hey, girl, sitting up on the front over there. Just, just looking good. 
just looking good. God is good. Indeed, indeed he is. Um, and now you guys are stuck with me for the next 31 minutes, but I'm, I'm excited. You guys ready to get into the word of God today? I, I hope that you came with, with expectation. I really am fired up about, about this message. I've been praying and processing through it for, for quite some time and, and, and just preparing myself to come here. And what I got to let you know is I've been watching what God has been doing here in Jacksonville from afar, from about 800 miles away. And, and what I love is that I can, I can feel and sense what God is doing here, but I've also been receiving it there. Let me say that again. I've been feeling what God is doing here, but I've been feeling it there. The reason why that's so significant is because I'm so glad that the, that the favor and grace and, and blessings of God are not geographically based because his covenant is with the people, not with the land. I don't, I don't know who that's for today, and I, I didn't say this in the first service, but I believe there's somebody in here that's been thinking to yourself, if you can just get to a certain milestone, then maybe you will be blessed. If you can just get married, then you'll be blessed. If I can just finish school, then I'll be blessed. If I can just get this job, well, then I can be blessed. But, but let, me, let me reorient your faith right now. The blessing is not with the location, it's with the people. The children of Israel, they were blessed while they were in Egypt. They were blessed in the wilderness, and they were blessed when they got to the promised land. The reality of it is, is that the promised land was simply the environment that could sustain the blessing that was on the people. So for the person that is in here thinking that you got to get to the next level in order for you to receive the blessings of God, you are blessed exactly where you are because you are still here. Matt, I didn't even mean to preach that, man. I don't even know where that came from, but that was for somebody. Um, but here's what we want to do. We want to jump into the book of Daniel chapter three. The book of Daniel chapter three, it's a, it's a very familiar, familiar narrative. If you've been around the, the Bible and church culture for any period of time, you may have heard it in Sunday school. It's a, it's a colorful story. I'll give you some context before we jump right into the narrative where we are. Ultimately, what's happening here is that the canvas that this incredible story is um, painted on is, is Babylon. It's a, it's a godless environment that has a king named Nebuchadnezzar who was self-indulged and he created this 90-foot statue um, in his image. It's an it's a image, it's a, it's a form of idolatry. And so the idea was that whenever they would play these musical notes, that everyone would stop what they are doing and they would bow down and worship. Let, let me say that again. What they would do is that whenever people would hear the sound that would be played, they would stop and drop everything that they're doing and they would begin to worship. Well, needless to say that when, when the Babylonians would go and invade varying areas, they would take kind of like the cream of the crop in order to bring them in and kind of indoctrinate them with their culture and, and kind of have these people who are now serving as, as ambassadors so they can forget their old culture and embrace the Babylonian culture. And so when they ransack uh, the tribe of Judah, they took some of the top out of the tribe of Judah in an effort to conform them and silence them. But I don't think it's a sense of irony that when you think about what Judah represents, Judah means praise. So see, the rest, the rest, of, the, the rest of the tribes have been scattered. They were kind of like off into the winds, but, but the area that the enemy wanted to capture and keep and to silence was the area of praise. I believe that even then that the enemy had this understanding that if I can somehow capture your praise, then I know that I can prevent your freedom. I don't know who that's for in here today, but I believe that some of us may have been struggling with our praise, but I believe that by the time we're finished today, if you could just tap into that still small voice, if you can just tap into the presence of God, I believe that chains break when we release a praise that God has instilled in all of us. This, this is what I'm believing for. So the Bible says that these, these, these men were pulled aside and, and they, were, they were conformed and, and their names were changed. And they went through all these things, but, but there were some things that they just wouldn't compromise in. And that was when they would hear the sound that they refused to bow. 
Nebuchadnezzar understandably felt offended and, and felt violated that these men would dare stand against his rules. And so he brings them in to interrogate them. And the Bible says this, starting at, at verse 14, it says this, it says, Nebuchadnezzar asked them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is it true that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold statue that I set up? Now, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the, and the drum, and every kind of music, fall down and worship the statue I made. But if you don't worship it, you will immediately be thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. And who is the God that can rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of a blazing fire, and he can rescue us from the power of you, O king. But even if he does not rescue us, we want you to know this as king, that we will not serve your gods and we will not worship the gold statue that you set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage and the expression on his face had changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He gave orders to heat the furnace seven times more hot than customary. And he commanded his strongest soldiers of his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. So these men in their trousers, their, their robes, their head coverings, and other clothes were tied up and thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. Since the king's command was so urgent and the furnace extremely hot, the raging flames killed those who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego up. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the furnace of blazing fire. Then King Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in an alarm. He said to his advisors, well, didn't we throw three men bound into the fire? Yes, of course, your majesty, they replied to the king. He exclaimed, look, I see four men not tied, walking around in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the furnace of blazing fire and he called out, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, come out. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And when the satraps, the, the prefects, the governors, and the king's advisors gathered around, they saw that the fire had no effect on the bodies of these men. Not a hair on their heads was singed, their robes were unaffected, and there was no smell of fire on them. There was no smell of fire on them. Today, I wanna to take the next couple of minutes to talk to us about the importance of conviction and why we refuse to compromise. And I've entitled this message, Under the Influence. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much, Lord, for your grace. I thank you that you've, that you've given us space that we can come and worship you freely, Lord. God, now it's my prayer, God, that over the next few moments that we have open eyes, open eyes to see you in areas where maybe we've lost sight of you, open eyes that we can see you in areas where, God, where there's so many distractions that, that maybe, just maybe, Lord, God, we're struggling to get a glimpse of you. Father, I also pray for open ears open ears that we can hear the word of truth above all the distractions, above all the loud noise, God, but we can still hear your truth. But above all else, God, I pray for open hearts that we can receive the, the seed of the word of truth, God, that it can be sealed in our hearts and in our souls because it is there that we have transformed lives. So Father, I pray that you move and do what only you can do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. 
You know, I, I was thinking about this idea of, of what does it mean to be under the influence. And, and naturally, when you hear that term, many of us can, can reflect back and to think of our own definitions of it. But, but here's, here's, a, here's a simple definition of it. To be influenced simply means this. It's the capacity to have the effect on a character, the development of the behavior of something. Here, here's, a simpler, um, here's a simpler definition. To have the ability to shape or to control something. So when you think about that definition of being under the influence, I think we all can relate to certain things that have at some point have had an influence on us. But, but studies have shown that the average person, they are subject to about 100 different things that influence them daily, daily. Now, now that seems exhaustive when, when, when I think about it, but when I began to run through the filter of the things that influenced me, here's a couple of things I came up with which made me believe that maybe, just maybe that, 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 that data is correct. Many of us, each day, we, we, look at our, we look at our apps and we see what is the best direction in order for me to get to work. And based off of what the traffic flow is, it influences the direction that we choose to go. That's an example of what it means to be influenced. We're taking the information that we're seeing and it influences the direction that we choose to go. We see that, we see that all the time. Another influence could be just the people that we surround ourselves with. It doesn't take long that if you're around somebody for a long period of time that, that you can be influenced by their language, by their mannerisms, by their, by their likes and their dislikes, by just being in sheer proximity. So we're all subject to being under the influence. There's even other instances where we can say that we've been influenced by looking at something such as social media. There's been many times in my life that I'm living my best life, I get home for work only to see a post or a tweet of something that, that I don't like and now I'm all up in my feelings because I've been influenced by something that someone has said or something that someone has done. It's so easy for us to be under the influence and I don't even want to begin to talk about the news because God only knows. I could, I could have a great day, it could be payday, life is good. But then I go and I watch the news and I'm like, oh my goodness, like this is awful. Like because it, it has this ability to influence the, the way that we feel, the way that we think, the way that we see other people because everybody is trying to influence us to see things the way that they see it. It's just the natural way that it goes. And so we even can look at the advertising industry because they, are, they spend approximately 220 billion, that's what it be, dollars per year on sending us commercials and efforts to influence the way that we spend our money. I mean, I was at a point now where they just came out with a new, they just came out with a new iPhone. And I'm like, man, I got the iPhone 10, I'm good. But after seeing enough of those commercials, I'm like, well, you know what? My phone is terrible. Like, how, how did I do, how am I not going? Like, it literally influenced me. And now my mind started thinking of ways that I could trade in my phone to get rid of it when there's nothing wrong with it. But you see enough commercials and you see stuff over and over long enough, it begins to influence the way that you see what you have and what you need to have. And then you wonder how you've existed without it all this time. That's just the power, that's just the power of influence. And if there's an area outside of technology that has the ability to influence me, if you show me a good commercial with barbecue. Okay, let me tell you something. I don't, I don't know about you, but the spirit of the living God speaks to me through, through barbecue. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you heard me. I believe that I hear more clearly from God when I have barbecue ribs in front of me and some pulled pork. Like, I feel like God is more clear then than any other time. It's gotten to a place now in my life where I work it into my fast because it's so connected me to God. Like, so, so it's, it's, it's serious for me. 
It's a, it's a real thing for me. So, I mean, it's, it's that serious to the point that I started buying like barbecue recipe books just so I could try to do the same things at home that I've experienced in stores because, I mean, like it's, it's, that, bi- it's that big of a deal. And I remember not long ago, in fact, I was, with our, I was with our Orange Park pastor, Pastor Ian, and he started talking to me about how he had a smoker at his house. And that began to influence me. Ian, I'm seeing you. Like that, that, began, that began to influence me. So I called my wife. I'm like, you know what? I've been barbecuing like a sucker all this time. I apparently... People got smokers out here, and that flavors the meat even better. So, like, what are we doing? I need that immediately. And so she went out and got me a smoker. So now I'm in the back patio just smoking all the time, and, and I love it. It's like it's, there's nothing better than it. Like, it, it, it just makes my soul so happy to be out on the back patio, and I'm out there with the grill going, and I got the smoker going. It's, it's the best. And my wife and I, we got a good rhythm and routine going now at this point. Like, at one point I thought I was going to do it all on myself, but I recognized the grace on her life is the ability to season food, and the grace on my life is... <laughs> is the ability to cook the food. Sometimes, I mean, you just got to let the wife help. The Bible says that they're supposed to help meat. Help me cook this meat. Um, <laughs> so we got a rhythm that works for us. It works really good. Like she has a seasoning and I'm out there getting the grill ready. She has a season. I'm out there with the smoker getting the temperatures right. So she's got the seasoning and she's, and she's smacking it up and she's, she's flipping it and she's, she's rubbing it down. Like, and that's, that's, I don't know where y'all heads just went. This is the house of God. Don't Google it though. But, but so she's out there with her things and, and I'm out there doing my thing. And, and I remember this one instance where, um, where we didn't have enough of, of a certain season. So she said, hey, I need you to run to the store to get this. I was like, okay, boom, I'm, I'm done. So I go out to the store and, and as I'm out there and I'm, I'm, I'm checking out, I, I'm there with the cashier. She, she kind of like, she, she looks at me and she kind of has this look on her face. She's like, man, like you smell good. Whatever you're cooking, I would really love to have some. That's, that's what she said. What I heard was, Mm. You smell good, my fine Nubian brother. Wakanda forever. And whatever you got cooking over there, count me in. That's what I heard. She said, oh, whatever you're cooking, I would love to have some. But what I heard was, mm. Like she paused put the little scanner down, mm. like she, she put her hip into it, mm. like you, you, you sure do look good. And so that's, that's what I heard. So for me, I'm like, I'm a little nervous at this point. I'm not wondering if it's like one of those secret camera shows. I'm like, wait, how am I supposed to respond to this moment? So all I knew to do was to kind of like laugh real quick, like, like Kai, we learned like, <laughs> I let out this laugh and then I said, <laughs> I'm married. Oddly enough, that was her same response. She looked at me and she's like, what? And it, and it was in that moment that I realized that we got our signals crossed. I'm not sure if you ever know the feeling of what it's like to, to try to shut somebody down that wasn't interested in the first place. I do. <laughs> My book's coming out next week. She, she, she was not giving me a compliment. What it was was, that she could smell the environment that I was in because I positioned myself in a place where the aroma had attached itself to me. So when I was standing in front of her, she could pick up the aroma, but I wasn't thinking through that filter because I didn't realize that where I was, I was carrying it with me. Isn't it interesting how when we place ourselves in certain environments, how it can attach itself to us, and then we end up taking it everywhere that we go because what's around you 
gets on you, what's on you gets in you, and what's in you comes out of you. You'd be amazed at the environments that we can place ourselves around where it attaches ourselves to us, and now we end up speaking in terms that we ordinarily wouldn't speak in, and it's solely because we positioned ourselves in environments that maybe God didn't want us to be in. I mean, many of us have probably made this statement at some point to someone that we care about when we say to them, what has gotten into you? Because what we're saying is, you've positioned yourself in some environments where now the behavior that I'm seeing is not matching up to the person that I know that you are supposed to be. What's gotten into you? What that means is there's a power of being associated or influenced by some things that have the ability to change the way that we behave. But what would it look like if the church positioned ourselves around the grace of God and that we began to take that into our workplaces, we began to take that into our marriages, we began to take that into our home, we began to take that into the place that we have influence with And instead of us conforming to the culture, we're influencing the culture by the grace of God. That when people see this, they say, surely the grace of God has been here. Surely I've had an encounter with love. Surely I've had an encounter with grace. Surely I've had an encounter with peace because we're carrying it with us everywhere we go because of where we position ourselves. See, this is what mobilization is really all about. It's about taking the grace of God that's on your life into the environments that God has called you to go into. But unfortunately, you know what ends up happening is the same approach that Babylon uses. Well, Babylon would bring them in and he would, they would slowly begin to change their names until bondage became normal. Until being critical became normal. Until being judgmental became normal. Until not being interested in your burdens became normal. It's a place that you get to where you begin to get so used to to pain and suffering that you don't desire to get healed anymore. This is exactly what the culture of, of Babylon was where they wanted things to become normal. And when you think about normal in and of itself, that's not a bad idea because conceptually, who doesn't want a normal life? Like sometimes you just wanna be able to say, I had a normal day at work. The boss wasn't on my back, it was all good. Who doesn't want to be able to say, man, I have a normal marriage? Who doesn't want to be able to say, like, my my finances, they're normal? But here's the problem. Normal simply means the standard. And unfortunately, normal's not working because right now the standard is divorce rates. Right now the standard is people still trying to commit suicide. Right now the standard is that people are still sick. Right now the standard is that people are falling away from God. So I think that normal is overrated. How about we not try to be normal? And how about we be who God has called us to be because God has called us to be an extraordinary group of people. We're not called to blend in. We're not called to fit in. We're not called to conform, but we're called to transform by the grace and power of God. I truly believe this. I believe this with all my heart. I believe it's so hard to impact a world that we're impressed by. It's, 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 it's difficult. It's, it's so hard to, to change what we mimic. And unfortunately, a lot of times we're so conformed into the image of the world, we wonder why the world can't hear the message of the cross. But if we could just be the people that said, I'm not gonna be influenced by this world, I'm gonna influence this world by the grace of God. That is what God has commissioned and called us and empowered us to do. You see, the interesting thing about this entire text is that while they were trying to create this culture of making sure that people were submitted based on these sounds, so I love the fact that when they're setting up this story, the Bible says that when you hear the sound, you need to bow down. When you hear it, you need to, you need to drop whatever you're doing and surrender. Think about that for a moment. Because right now, that, that seems like that's such a small thing, but, but sound is so psychological, and, and I, I don't think it's a coincidence. You know, that many of pe- people say that, that the quickest way to go down memory lane is for you to smell something from your past or to hear something from your past. It triggers your memory so quickly. So imagine when the people that were in the Babylonian empire would hear things over and over and over again. 
Before long, it wouldn't even require you to resist anymore because instinctively you would just know to surrender and give up because you're so used to hearing that sound. Think about it for a moment. What are the sounds that we're listening to that we've heard over and over and over again, so much so that we don't even put up a fight anymore? You see what happened with the children of Israel when they faced Goliath is that they said Goliath would go out three times a day and yell out offenses against God and talk about what he would do to anyone that opposed them. So for 40 days, three times a day, Goliath would go out and talk about how powerful he was and how weak the children of Israel were. I can imagine after the first day, okay. After the second day, that's a little much. First week, okay. You get to about week two, you start singing along to that song. You get to about week three, now you're dancing to that song. You get to week four, now you're doing remixes to the song. Have you ever heard a song that you just don't even like, but you hear it enough that somehow you know all the lyrics to it? And that when you hear it, you're like, hmm. That's, that's my song. No, it's not. We all, we all have a song right now that we can think about that we're like, I don't even know why I like that song, but I've heard it so much. But it takes me down memory lane. I just remember when, and you can fill in that blank, but don't do it out loud. But we all have those songs. Like my, my wife, I, I love her dearly. I do. She's so filled with joy and she is so expressive. And there's times where her and I, we're just hanging out, we're talking. And I mean, we're having like deep conversations. It could be about the goodness of God. It could be about our budget. It could be about us believing the best for our children. You let a commercial come on with one of those throwback songs. And she's like, oh, wait a minute. Like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get it. Like, I mean, cause it's, it's so quick for your mind just to remember where you were. But I think there's a reason why we say going down memory lane because I think that there's times that we hear some things that take us back to the very place that God has rescued us from and we end up conforming to something that God never intended us to be. What is on your playlist right now that you've heard it so much that now you surrender without even putting up a fight? The world will often play and repeat over and over again that you're not good enough and if we're not careful, we've heard it so long that we'll surrender to it. We've heard so often that the world will tell you that you'll never make it to the places that God is calling you. And if we hear it enough, we'll just go ahead and surrender and submit to it. I think that what we have to do is that we have to stop reacting to everything. See, because a reaction is all in our emotions, but a response is built on conviction. See, when we can recognize the difference between a reaction and a response, I believe that is the place where we can begin to experience peace. See, when we react to things, anybody can react to a post on social media, but a response is when you decide not to say anything at all because silence is often the most powerful thing that you could ever use. I'm not gonna react to everything, but I'm gonna give my response. This is why when Jesus was standing before Pilate and all those who accused him and said that he stood there silent, it wasn't that he wasn't saying anything, but he was saying everything with his silence. I wonder if God could begin to use our silence silence as a way to get a response instead of us always reacting to every little thing that we see. When I think about the children of Israel, right after they had been liberated from Egypt, the Bible says that Pharaoh had changed his mind. And so they began to pursue them and they're standing on the edge of the Red Sea. The children of Israel, they had a reaction. Why did we leave in the first place? Why are we here? But Moses had a response and his response was, but stand still and see the salvation of God. The very enemy that you see today, you will not see going forward, but you got to stand on the 
word of God. I believe that when we respond with truth, it's the very thing that leads us to our place of destiny. I think about my man, Blind Bartimaeus. The Bible says that when he had heard that Jesus was in his vicinity, I'm not sure if you heard what I just said, but when he had heard that Jesus was there, in other words, his faith came by hearing that Jesus was in the vicinity. If I can just hear that Jesus is in the vicinity, he had a response to that. And his response was, Lord, come my way. And so the disciples, they had a reaction. Be quiet. You don't need to be bothering him with this right now. But the Bible says that he lifted up his voice even higher because I am not going to overreact, but I will give my praise as a response. I'm not sure who I'm talking to in here, but maybe there's some people in here or some situations that have been trying to silence your praise. But God is saying, I don't need you to react. I need you to respond with trust in me. I need you to respond with worship. I need you to respond by giving. I need you to respond by serving. I need you to respond by being mobilized. I need you to respond by recognize that I am with you every step of the way. We're not going to always react, but we will always have a godly response. Thus saith the Lord. It's, it's understanding this distinction. And so, and so for these young men, they said, man, here's my response. No matter what you do to us, no matter what you try to come our way, God is able to deliver us. He is able. We recognize the power that exists within him. However, even if he doesn't, we will not surrender to you. I, I need you to hear the power of this concept of even if. Even if it doesn't work out, God is still working it all together for the good. E even, even if the sickness results in death, God is still able to resurrect. Even, even if, even if the divorce is finalized, God still has more for me in the future. Even if I lose my job, God is still my provider. It's that place where we get to even if, and we recognize that my faith is not predicated on outcomes because I have an eternal outlook. It doesn't matter what's around me right now. I'm not looking at you, I'm looking past you because I see what God is going to do in the future, and even if it doesn't work out right now, God is still good. Even if I have to lose everything I got, God is still worthy. It's when you get to the place of even if, the enemy cannot take you to and fro tossed by every wind of doctrine because your current situation is not working out. I serve a God that sees me from the beginning to the end and I know that my death days are still ahead of me and if God has spoken it over my life, then he's going to bring it to fruition. He's watching over his word. So even if right now it's not working out, God is going to bring me to my place of destiny because even if, I'm going to serve him regardless. Amen. It's when we get to that place of, of even if. It's not, a, it's not a comfortable place. I was just with a, a childhood friend of mine, my best friend, and we were at the funeral services for his sister. While, while I was there, it occurred to me that in just the past four months, this is his third funeral, he lost his father, he lost his nephew, which is his sister's child, and he lost his sister all within four months. As I was watching the family grieve and process through burying another very close loved one, in my own logic, I couldn't comprehend the sense of peace that they had. But what I did see was this constant sense of, 
but we know that we're going to see them again. There was a sense of knowing that, that, that God's word was going to hold true. There was a sense of recognizing that our life is but a vapor. And there was a sense of knowing that while it's not comfortable and while we will grieve, we will serve God even if, in the same way that Jacob did, I will hold on even if I walk away with a limp. I may not walk the same way around some things anymore, but God is still good even if. What I'm telling you is this. I believe when we get to the place of even if, it allows us to mature in our faith because it's not predicated on outcomes because we have an eternal outlook. The Bible says about Stephen when he was about to be stoned to death because he was proclaiming the goodness of God. The Bible says that he looked straight up into heaven and he saw Jesus even though he was surrounded by people that hated him, even though he was surrounded by the very same people that condemned Christ to death, even though he was surrounded by people that were about to kill him, the Bible said he looked past them and he says, I can still see Jesus. I wonder when we get to that place of even if, that we're surrounded by so much opposition, but can you still see Jesus? That's the maturity of our faith. These young men made that statement. You only can imagine that Nebuchadnezzar lost his mind. The Bible says that he threw them fully clothed into the fiery furnace. He was that upset. He had them bound and thrown into the furnace. Now, it makes that distinction of saying that they were dressed, and it even breaks down what they were wearing. It talks about their, their hats. It talks about their trousers. It talks about the shirts they were wearing. And, and here's why. Because they had gotten a promotion, actually, back in, in Daniel chapter 1, and so they had these favor on their life. They actually were promoted. So they were given this upgrade of clothing that signified where they were. In other words, those clothing items were a representation of their identity. And they were thrown into the fire, but still holding on to their identity. See, here, here's, here's the thing that I, that I learned by looking at all of this. Ordinarily, whenever there would be public executions, they would actually strip the people before they were killed so that they could feel shame while they were in a process of going through the death. But what the Bible says is that they still had on their identity even while they were in the flames. They still had on their purpose even while they were in the flame. They still were wearing their calling even while they were in the flame that even, while it wasn't un, even though it wasn't comfortable, they still had a sense of who they are. What I believe is the message for some of us is that many of us may feel shame right now because much like Adam, your eyes are opened up, you may see the situation that you're in, and you may feel that you are naked. But my response to you is the same thing that God had for Adam. Who told you you were naked? Grace has got you covered. You may be in a season right now that you are not comfortable with, but grace has got you covered. You still have your identity. You still have your purpose. You still have your value. You may be in the fire right now. It may not be the most comfortable. You may be struggling right now, but you still got calling because the gifts and calling are without repentance. God didn't change his mind when you made the mistake, when you had to set back. The grace of God has still got you covered. You still have value. You still have purpose. And with God has started it in you, he is going to finish it. So it is time for us to put shame in its rightful place. And that is back on the shoulders of the enemy because he was defeated over 2,000 years ago. And I can't wear this outfit anymore because I'm too busy wearing the outfit of my purpose. I'm too busy wearing the outfit outfit of my calling. I'm too busy to wear the outfit of my destiny, and shame just doesn't fit the way that it used to. I outgrew shame a long time ago when Jesus said, it is finished on the cross, so I'm not wearing it anymore because I have a new calling in Christ. You see, they still were clothed even though they were in the flames. But, it, but it, goes even, it goes even further because what the Bible says after that is that the Bible says that, that Nebuchadnezzar, he was, he was alarmed. He was, he was actually kind of concerned because after you go from verse 23 where they were thrown in and verse 24, he's shocked to see that they're still alive. 
Now, now here's something that, that I found that I just thought it would be worthy of sharing with you guys. See, some of the earlier manuscripts of the Bible, they actually have another verse there. And that verse is called the prayer of Ezra. And what it is, is it's a prayer of when the men were thrown into the fire that they were actually singing praise to God. And here's what the words was. It simply said that we will exalt God above all no matter what. Now, when the translations of the Bibles came out, because they were so deeply damaged, it was hard for them to put it into the canon of scriptures that we're used to. But when you go back and look at the first versions of the Bible, there's actually another verse that says that when they were thrown into the fire, that they had a song in their heart. Let me say that again. That even though they were in the flames, there was still worship in their lips. There still was a praise in their heart. They still valued and said that we will worship God above all, no matter what. That means that I truly believe that there is freedom in the flames as long as we have a praise in our heart. I believe when I look at the consistency of scripture, when I think about Paul and Silas sitting in prison, I see a thought process of where they still called on the name of God at midnight while they were in prison and their chains fell off. I I think about the children of Israel as they were marching around the walls of Jericho and when they lifted up their voice that we saw the walls come down. I see a consistency that I know that God inhabits the praise of his people. And the Bible I read declares that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. So I think there's enough evidence for me to believe that when I look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were in the flames, but they had a song in their heart. They were worshiping God even though it's not comfortable, even though it's even though I'm struggling right now, even though I just lost my job, I'm going to still give God praise because God inhabits my praise. And if God is with me through all of this, what can be against me? They continued to keep their praise. They continue to give God glory. They refuse to be silent because they understood, though he slays me, yet will I trust him. No matter what season I find myself in, I will not allow the adversary to steal my praise. They, they kept this praise and, and what the Bible says is that now they were, they were walking around free. And so what happens is, is Nebuchadnezzar looks in and, and the Bible says that when he, when he hears the sound, when, when he's alerted to the fact that they're not screaming in anguish, it alerts his, it alerts his attention and he looks in and he, and he sees and now he begins to do some math. He's like, wait a minute, didn't, didn't, we throw, didn't we throw three men in, right? I just want to make sure that I'm not losing my mind. We threw three men, right? And these guys are like, yeah, man, we put three in. He's like, but, but, I, but I see a fourth there with them. And, and, he, and he looks like the son. I see a fourth that's in there with them that even though they, they went in apparently alone, but because they still had their identity and they still had their praise, that I see that there must have been an invitation for something else to show up. It makes me think about where the Bible says that where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. It's something to be said about believers that have made up in their mind that in spite of the influence of the world, I'm going to be influenced by grace and allow my worship to do the talking. And when they invited God into that situation, we see the presence of God showing up in the midst. Though I may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? Because God is with me. God is with you when you're going through the divorce. He's he's with you when you're in the midst of this sickness. He's with you when you lost your job. He's with you when things are great. He's with you when things are low. God is with you through it all. The enemy doesn't like you to think that God would be with you in your lowest moments, but he sustains you in them because God is with you. They, they see, they see this, they see this, this fourth man 
and they see the presence there. It makes me think about how we're, we're in the Feast of Tabernacles right now, literally the, the dwelling of God. The Bible talks about in, in Exodus 20 where it talks about how we were to, to create a place so God, God could dwell with us and then the feast were meant to celebrate that. It's interesting how God dwells with us in every season that we go through. But remember this, you still have your identity. You still have your calling. You still have your purpose. You may be going through a tough season right now. It's time to shake off that shame and recognize that, that God is with you. Uh, I, wanna, I wanna close with this because what happens now is, is that the children of Israel or, or, or Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, that, that while they were in the flames and, and you see that the Bible says they're walking around and they're, and they're free. The Bible said they were unbound. They were free. Now, I don't want to be the person that, that modifies the Bible, but I got to believe that they weren't just walking around in a holy huddle, but I got to believe there's a little bit of swagger in their walk. That's just, a, I mean, I don't know. I read the Ebonics translation of the Bible. Yours might be a little bit more, more strict and, and, and straight-laced, but me, I like to think that they were like... I don't know. I don't know. That's just the, that's the way I read it. I like to get animated with the Bible. That they weren't just they weren't just comfortable and content, but they were walking around because sometimes the way that we walk around things sends a statement to the enemy. I think that it's time for us to stop walking around with our heads held so low and start picking our heads up and says, no, I am a child of the king. I am a child of God. I do have purpose. I do have value. I may have had some setbacks, but God is with me through every season and I'm not going to walk away like I'm defeated. He sees them walking around and he calls them out. He's like, man, like, okay, you guys, gotta, you guys gotta come out. And they come out and they begin to like, they begin to investigate a little bit. They're, they wanna make sure that, like, okay, we put them in there, but maybe, maybe we missed it. Maybe, maybe like, I don't know, maybe the flames weren't hot enough or maybe somehow the, the flames avoided them. So they got close enough that they could smell them. And what the Bible says is that the scent of smoke wasn't even on them. That means that there was no smoke on their calling. There was, there was no smoke on their purpose. There was no, there was no smoke on their, on their destiny. There was no smoke of where they had been. Because when God delivers you from a place, it will be just as if you never sinned. That's something to be said about the redemptive power of God. It's about how God can rescue you from an environment or from a season of your life that you thought was the absolute worst and people will never know that you even went through it in the first place. It's the power of the grace of God. Interestingly enough, it, it, makes, me, it, makes, me think about, it makes me think about me being on my back porch and, and doing my best to not burn down the house with my grilling and, and my smoking. Um, and so here, here's what I've done. First and foremost, I never go back to that store again because I don't know when that cashier's gonna be working, so I go to the one that's five miles down the street. <laughs> Just be weird. Um, so I've, I've managed to avoid her um, henceforth. But, but, here's, but here's, what I, here's what I do. When I'm, when I'm in the back on my, on my patio now, because I'm aware now that the environment that I'm in has the ability to attach itself to me, that now when I open up the smoker, I stand to the side and I allow the smoke to kind of like blow past me. But then also now what I do is I actually have like this, this special like grilling smock. It's really good, it's like this, this fabric that actually absorbs all the smoke. So any rest of the smoke that doesn't just go by me, it all gets absorbed in that. So then when I take the apron off, you don't even smell that it was on me in the first place. That means that I'm still in the exact same environment, I'm just standing differently. 
I'm standing differently in the exact same environment, and now I have a filter that absorbs any residue. Here's what I believe. I believe that many of us have been walking around with the smoke of shame, with the smoke of condemnation, with the smoke of guilt, with the smoke of ridicule, with the smoke of sin, and maybe we've been carrying that into other environments. But I believe that the plan of God for our life is that we don't have to leave this world. We're in it, but we're not of it. I believe that God has called us to stand differently in the very same environment and allow that stuff to go by you and allow the filter of grace to absorb all that condemnation. So then when you see me, there is no smoke of condemnation on my life. There is no smoke of condemnation on my family. There is no smoke of condemnation or fear on me. I have no smoke. I am glad to tell you that I am smoke-free. My family is smoke-free. My children are smoke-free. My kids are smoke-free. It doesn't matter what has tried to attach itself to me in the past, but we are smoke-free, baby. We don't have any of those aromas on us anymore because I've learned how to stand differently. I keep my eyes up. I keep my eyes on Jesus because he is the author and finisher of my faith. I refuse to allow my eyes to look at the storms and the things that the enemy tries to bring my way, but I fix my eyes on him. And as long as I keep my eyes on Jesus, I stand differently in this culture. The smoke grows by me and I don't have it on me anymore because I have been delivered. I have been set free because the grace of God is the filter that absorbs the smoke in my life. It is time for us to stand differently and not be under the influence of the world but E under the influence of grace. That is what God's calling commission is for us today. But I do want to ask this question because I do believe that there's, there's some of us in here today that if we were to, to do the sniff test, I see some of y'all doing it. You're not so sure. Get it? You see what I just did there? Um, maybe not. Um, if you were to do the sniff test right now, you can still smell some stuff on you. And what, I, and what I feel in my spirit, I truly feel this. I feel like for some of us, a lot of times that, that smoke can be the smoke of shame, that smoke of regret. And maybe you even have been convinced because the, the melody of mediocrity has been playing so long in your ear that you've learned how to dance to it. And now you've begun to believe a lie from the enemy. And what I believe is that if we're, if we're not careful, we'll believe and begin to surrender and submit and not fight to something that God has already beat for us. Here's what I wanna do though. If you're in here today, and maybe you're in the midst of a season and the enemy has convinced you that this is the consequence of it. Now listen, there is cause and effect. I would, I would never tell you anything otherwise, but you still have your purpose, you still have your value, and God is gonna pull you out of it. Because what I've learned in my life is that sometimes God doesn't rescue us from the fire, he rescues us in the fire. Here's what I believe. There's some of us that might be in a season of that right now. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I wanna do this. And I wanna to speak to a specific group of people that we're all gonna pray and we're gonna believe God for incredible things. But here's what I wanna do. If you're in here today, and maybe there is the, the faint smoke of, of regret or shame or condemnation that, that, somehow, that somehow has maybe attached itself to you, if that's you, I want you to be so bold as to, to lift a hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Hands up everywhere. God bless you. You can keep those hands up. Here's what I want us to do. We're gonna take, take this a step further. I talked with Pastor Stovall this morning. He said, Keith, there's some things that we want our church to get freed up in. I don't want you to hold back. So here's what I want us to do. For every individual that's in here, I want us to take that same boldness to come and meet me at this altar. Would you meet me at this altar so I can pray for you? Would you meet me at this altar so that way that the same shame that you may have been wearing 
for the past whatever amount of years, that you can leave it at this altar and know that you can have an encounter with God and know that deliverance is available. It's time for you to get out of those old garments and it's time for you to put on something new. Come on church, I want all of us to stand on our feet. If you know there's someone that needs to come down here, I want you to walk down here with them, encourage them. I want you to say, I'll walk down with you because I truly believe that God is gonna move. I truly believe that. And here's what I want us to do, church. If they're still coming, we're still clapping. So let's not get soft. Let's encourage them. Let's let them know that God is with them, that we are with them. They're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. There is no shame in coming to the altar. We all have done it. And, and here's, here's the thing for me. Here's the thing for me. I have been, I have been in seasons of my life where where I've, I've carried that, where I've carried regret or, or, or shame or, or just being uncomfortable, feeling like I've made a mistake and wondering if I can ever move forward. I read the Bible, I know what the word of God says, but the truth of the matter is there are times that I've been reacting to how I feel instead of responding with what God's word says. But you know what I, you know what I love? Is that I, I love this idea of when you look at the story of Lazarus, because what you see with Lazarus is you see that this, this, this man who, who obviously was sick, that he, that he died. And the Bible says that he was wrapped up in grave clothes that were very restricting. He, he couldn't move in them. But when God called him out and he got up and he, he walked out into the light, he walked out into public view where everybody was, he was still restricted in his movements because he still had on grave clothes. And I believe that there's reasons why the believers don't make the strides and calling of what God has asked them to do is because we're still wearing grave clothes. But what Jesus says when the man emerges from the shadowy grave is he said, it is time for you to remove the grave clothes because there was a season where that may have been in style. See, when you're dead, it makes sense for you to wear the dead clothes. When you're, when you're outside of the boundaries of God's will and grace for your life, it makes sense for you to carry condemnation and guilt and ridicule. But I wanna update your playlist and remind you guys all of this, that over 2,000 years ago, that when Jesus went to the cross and he took all of the shame on his shoulders for that you and me, he basically allowed us to have the freedom of saying that this outfit is so outdated, I'm not gonna wear this ever again because Jesus already wore it for me on the cross. This is why he was crucified openly and publicly so that he could take shame and to, the, to death. We've been wearing something that's so out of style. It's so last season. And today we're gonna to upgrade our playlist and we're gonna get a new outfit. I want all of us to put our hands up. And I want you to believe that, that when Jesus said it is finished, it counted for you as well. There is nothing that you have done. There's no place that you have been. There's nothing that you're going through that is beyond the boundaries of grace. I'm gonna ask our, our, our pastors and leaders to kind of pass through as you can, our prayer partners, but I'm believing that God's gonna do some incredible things. I wanna pray for us. Pastor Carl is gonna come up and close us out and give us additional instructions, but I want us all to pray and believe with the same conviction that we've seen from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, knowing that God can and will deliver us. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, you see every uplifted hand, God, a sign of surrender. God, we surrender it all to you, Father. I recognize, God, that we've been carrying things that you never asked us to carry. So at this altar, in our hearts, God, we're casting our cares, our burden, our shame, our regret on you, Father. In the name of Jesus, Father, I command for them to remove the grave clothes. In the name of Jesus, I command for the reality of the grace of 
God to hit their minds and their hearts that they're not going to be reacting to all the things of the world anymore, but they're going to be responding with the word of truth. I command for there to be a new conviction and a new stance and recognizing that though the past may be chasing after us the same way that Pharaoh was with the children of Israel, but they're going to stand still and see the salvation of God and we're going to see chains removed because the work that you have done on the cross, it is finished. They are done. They have been vindicated. So there's nothing that they're going through that will hold it to be held against them. So in the name of Jesus, I declare for freedom to be exhibited. God, we invite you into this place in the same way that you were in the midst with the, those Hebrew boys while they were in the fire, God. We believe that you're in the midst of this place and meeting us at this altar. So chains are broken. People are being freed and set free. It's in the name of Jesus. We're not asking for it, God. We're not even fighting for it. We're simply grabbing what is already ours. We're not playing games with the enemy anymore. Devil, you have been defeated. It is time for you to go back into the fiery pits of hell. You don't have access to our minds, to our hearts, to our thoughts. We have been set free and whom the Son has set free is free indeed. So in the name of Jesus, we celebrate the finished work on the cross and we believe that it is finished. Count it for us. Now give God praise if you believe that he did what only he can do. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.